all you people, you're listening to the Split Screen Gaming Podcast, the occasional weekly podcast where three lifelong friends correspond about video games from the comfort of their homes. I'm Chad Michael Innes. And this is Holden DePardo. And joining us shortly will be Diane Keaton. Actually, she's not going to be here tonight. She's not coming? No, she's not coming. Why she, not? She got tickets, she got the lottery for Hamilton tonight, so she's going to stand us up again. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, I would probably do the same thing in her situation. So no yeah. Diane Keaton tonight, uh, but this is Split Screen Gaming Podcast. Each Monday-ish, you might be able to find us on iTunes and uh, the Google Play things. And if we decide to branch out and explore our sexuality, then maybe you'll find us on Bandcamp. But just iTunes really matters. So subscribe, share, rate us, all that fun stuff. All right. Starting us off this week, we are going to be talking about News War. Just kidding, I lied to you. Uh, <laughs> our first round is warm-up, and we're just going to talk about what we've been playing this week. So yeah. hold in. Tell me what you've been playing. I've been playing a lot this week. Uh, Super Mario World, I think, was the highlight, but we'll be talking about that later on in round two or three of the podcast. I played that, too. Oh, you did? Wow. I think you played it next to me. And then I played The Witcher 3, which is something that I've wanted to play for a while. I actually went back through my purchase history on my PlayStation 4. I got that game when I bought my PlayStation 4, like, two years ago. And I tried playing it like four or five times, and I could not get into it. I finally put in about 10 hours, and I deleted it. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time to, to play it and then not like it. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. And that's it? That's all you've been playing? That's all I've been playing, yeah. Um, I, no, I actually played a little bit of, uh, of Hitman because I got tired playing The Witcher, so I wanted to play <laughs> something I knew I liked. And Hitman's fantastic. I'll actually talk a little bit about that during News War as well what about you what have you been playing uh so i this week finally beat resident evil 7 which was uh fantastic i loved it a lot thank god because i've been waiting to talk to you about that game for a while now i beat that yeah. after you told me to buy it because you liked it so much <laughs> <laughs> i also uh, i played the entire thing in vr and then i played a little clip of it afterwards not in vr and vr is absolutely the way to go in that one it's so freaking good and terrifying as, as all poop. The only reason I disagree with you is that I got super nauseous playing Resident Evil 7 in VR. You do have to have some VR experience under your belt before yeah. you jump in, definitely. It, the controls were weird. Like, if you turn your... When you have the VR headset on, you turn your head 90 degrees, but in the game it only turns 30 degrees, which is really jarring for me. But it's supposed to make it more, uh, I guess less nauseating yeah it, it i turned that off i just went to a smooth which and I, for most people makes them vomit but for me it was yeah great. then i switched it to this to the normal way of doing it like you did and that was just even worse i couldn't yeah not not for me but on its own it is still good in 2d on a screen yeah yeah actually it looks way better too that's true that's because vr doesn't yet have the fo the visual fidelity that you can experience in a big 4k delicious sexy screen so yeah resident evil 4 a seven, really, really great. The best since Resident, Resident Evil, Evil 4. Four in VR in uh, 2004 or whatever <laughs> the game came out on the GameCube. <laughs> um, what else did I play? Oh, so I finished that, and I played Dear Esther, which was on sale. It's from the Chinese Room, the company who made uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Mm -hmm. Technically, this was their first game that they made in 2012 and released on PC, but it just came out on PS4 and Xbox One. I just um, downloaded Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, actually. Uh, yeah, it was free with PlayStation Plus. Yeah, it was a PlayStation Plus game, and that is a fantastic freaking game. I played 15 minutes of it. Something like The Witcher, I'll let you know in two years what I think. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Dear Esther later in uh, round three. Uh, so we'll come back to that one. Yeah. And yeah, that's aside from Super Mario World that I played with you, that's that's what I've been playing. That was the best one of all the games you talked about, hands down. Yeah. So that's our uh, warm-up, and now we're going to get into round one, News War. Sorry that I teased you a little bit earlier, but this is News War, where we talk about the news from this week. We both come with a list of news stories, neither one of us knowing what the other has, and then whoever has the most amount of unique news stories wins the segment, and the prize is that you get to slap the loser in the face, but since right now we're just audio, you'll never know if we really follow through. Thank God I already have more stories than you in general. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to call out lots of words until some of them match yours, and then you, they don't count. <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. <laughs> so hold on. Start us out since you have a zillion. I have a lot. So actually, I'm going to focus on one of these, which is uh, pretty much one story. Uh, but Nintendo Switch 
has gained some launch titles, which is not common that a week before a system yeah. comes out, you get more launch titles. But their games are actually I was going to get. All three of them they've announced were all games I was going to get. So it got more exciting for me because I'm getting a Switch on Friday, hopefully. Most likely. Hopefully. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so one left, though, and that was the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus. Which is Afterbirth. A game that's... What a great word. <laughs> Afterbirth. <laughs> Have you played that game before? No, Binding I haven't, Isaac? but it's on every system, and I haven't played it, and I might as well get it on this one because I have wanted to play it. It's supposed to be a like a more of a challenging kind of like retro style like hardcore game which is yeah, appealing to me. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of like it's a roguelike kind of where you, every time it's a randomly generated thing but there yeah. are rooms and you go fight bosses and things like that and mm-hmm. you die and you start over. But so they said they're not going to release it on launch. And it's funny cuz the developer doesn't seem to have a great reason. They're just kind of like, "Yeah, we thought it was coming out on <laughs> launch and and now it's not." So come like check in soon and so I think something happened like maybe like Business, they weren't on the same page or something like that. I have no idea, but I'm a little upset about that. But the three tales they gained, so excited about this. Oh, my God. Okay. From worst to best. Okay. Wait, Binding of Isaac was the worst? That was not a launch title anymore. It was a launch oh, title, and, and now, now it's no not. Longer. Got it. So, uh, first one is Shovel Knight. Which Great game. I've never played. I've heard it's amazing, and it's Shovel Knight, but it's, um, all the expansions are also in the game there, too. Does that also include... See, I played it on the Vita. Does that also include the Kratos character in your version on nintendo probably not yeah 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 i didn't want to play this kratos anyway i don't like god of war that much i tried i played all the way through to be honest i never finished shovel knight and i never actually ran into kratos but i don't think he's a playable character i thought there was a wasn't there something like that he's in the game but i don't oh. think he's a playable character okay i don't know about that i mean but i'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're it. playing as the shovel knight <laughs> i'm uh, just taking yes or plague knight or any of the other knights in the expansions. Okay, so. whatever. I'm just saying Shovel Knight's pretty important to that game. Yeah, it's great. Uh, go right. on. Okay. Next. Uh, uh, Fast RMX, which is like a, a, a Wipeout-style game, which is a PlayStation series, which is based off of F-Zero, which is a Nintendo series. <laughs> so it comes full circle, and it looks really fun. There is this cool mechanic where you there are these boost pads, and they're either uh, blue or orange, and your ship will light up blue or orange, and you can alternate back and forth between them. So you'll only get the boost if you switch to the right color. Oh. So you really got to pay attention. If you played Wipeout, those games move so fast. Yeah, they do. Insanely fast. So that that switching back and forth of the boost actually <laughs> sounds really challenging. But I'm sure it's going to be great. So Fast RMX is actually a spiritual successor to Matt Hoffman's BMX for the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. And if you erase the bottom of the B in BMX, that makes RMX. You know, it's a wonderful point. I mean, we do have a lot of reboots this year. That's so science. Yeah. Uh, so Fast Racing RMX, but the best one, one that was going to come out in March, now they say it's officially on launch, is Snipper Clips. Oh, Cut it out yes. together. I watched a video of that with you. Yeah. And it looks great. It does. It is. It's hard to describe, but you basically play as like playable pieces of paper, and you get to give a challenge. And in order to accomplish the challenge, you gotta like cut each other up. Yeah, you gotta you gotta like lay yourself on top of each other, and then cut that person. I mean, it, it sounds like you're just like tackling someone and cutting them with a knife. That's kind of what it is. It. What am I? Sounds like murder. One of my favorite ones they showed in a in like a Nintendo demo was they had a basketball that they had to get into a hoop. So one person had to like get on top of the other to cut like a like a scoop. So they could pick up the ball, and then when they got it, they would jump and hopefully land it in the in the hoop. But that was like a simpler one. But it was kind of it, yeah, it was fun. You are not making this game sound great. It, if, it's it, it so, is fun looking. So if you're listening, go find a video of it somewhere <laughs> because you're making this sound like terrible. Every it is so. been the every person who's played this game from what I've seen <clears throat> has left saying it was one of the biggest surprises at the, at the Nintendo events. Surprise. It looks super fun. Well, if that's how long one of your stories is going to take, dear God, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> they won't all take that long. Okay, I'm going to go. Uh, the next story, first one that I have, is Final Fantasy, the series, gains three Guinness World Records. Really? Yes. Would you like to hear what they are? I would. I'm going to spend a I don't have that story, so we both got a point Boom. and we're tied. Shazam. Uh, the first one is for Final Fantasy fourteen. It officially has the longest end credits in an MMORPG. Take a guess at how long they are. I don't even want to know. Like an hour. An hour and 38 minutes oh of God. end credits. This is because 
Uh, if it's, I hope it's skippable because some games don't let you skip their, <laughs> their credits. Do you remember uh, Final Fantasy fourteen came out and had a lot of problems and people hated it and then they rebranded it and reworked it and I now remember it's all that. Yeah. Reborn. So everyone who played the original is now listed as a thank you as a legacy player in the credits, which is why they're so long. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. I like that. That's nice. That's record number one. The second one is for the most original pieces of music in a video game. Again, for Final Fantasy fourteen. Because the game is so long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They How had to have that much music, music to do you think there are? <clears throat> Come again? How many pieces of original music do you think there are? I mean, I don't even know what the original record was. So I'm gonna uh, say it's 384. More. Was the original record? No, that's the new record. I just got bored. <laughs> you just got bored after <laughs> so you guess. 384 <laughs> original compositions in Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh my god! And then finally, this one. I'll be all good though. Like 30, 384. I mean, like probably a third of them are just ominous tones. Oh, I'm sure. Ooh. Ooh. It's like that's a dungeon theme. That was whoever's job that was. They like they hated the studio. <laughs> How many songs? Oh god! Uh, so the final Guinness World Record. This one blew my mind. Final Fantasy is officially the most prolific role-playing game series ever. Guess There's how so many, many games have been in this series. Oh, it's got to be like close to 50. Guess again, higher. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, 75. 87 games. 87. There are 87 oh games God. in the Final Fantasy universe. That's it's crazy. so unnecessary. So yeah. That I was there were only 15. <laughs> <laughs> that was a news story from Dual Shockers. Oh, wait. Sorry. There was 13, 13, 2, 13, 3. <laughs> Yeah. All right, you're up. All right. Smaller one this time. Uh, it's just, I'll do two since I have so many now. I'll do two small ones. Um, also Nintendo-related this time. No virtual console at launch. I'm very upset about that. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Yeah, we will. Yes, we will get into virtual console in a little bit. And Breath of the Wild sold out on Amazon. I think Amazon doesn't sell digital codes, does it? Well, I'm yeah they okay. yeah on launch that's, day that's interesting. I, that's I've never Both seen Wii U and, Nick, and I think uh, not just NX, uh, s- Switch. Uh, I believe so. And the Wii U version is actually just gone. They don't even have it listed right now. I, I'm very surprised by that, and I think Nintendo has a real hit on their hands with this. <clears> but <throat> that doesn't happen. Pre-orders don't sell out with games usually. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that that's like ten years ago when you used to go to a midnight release and like stand in line and hope you get the game. Yep. Everyone who has a Wii U must be getting this. Yeah. Uh, next up, I have from IGN.com. Neo is getting a high difficulty mission. Uh, sorry, getting high difficulty missions plural in March, PvP in April. I thought this was interesting because from what I've heard, Neo is already brutally hard. Yeah. What does a high difficulty? I, I played the demo of that game <laughs> last year, and it is extremely difficult. Yeah. And this is after I think. I think Dark Souls have pretty. I've gotten better at those kinds of games. Yeah, it's really hard. So I'm wondering what that looks like. What a high difficulty version of Neo might look like. Coming as a free update in March. I'm very surprised by that. You're That's a, good. A towel. Go. You're up. All right, my turn. All yeah. right. Um, so some interesting stories uh, came out today that I thought were worth talking about. Uh, Target accidentally released a leak to Shadow of Mordor. Oh, that was on my list. You. Darn whore. <laughs> it is called uh, Shadow of War. Yeah. And apparently it's coming out August 22nd, which seems early. I think we will hear about this at E3, and they'll pull out like a Fallout 4 and say, coming out yeah. like in a few months. I think this is a no-brainer. I think it's weird that they waited so long. It's been three years almost it has since been. the original. And I've, I want to play this a lot because the Nemesis system in the original game was one of the coolest sounding systems, and I never played the game. Only available on the PS4 version. Not the Xbox Xbox one? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. not the because it was one of those that yes. straddled the. Yep. Uh, for those who don't know the Nemesis system, do we have time to explain this? I don't know. Do we? Do we? Depends on how long you're going to take for the rest of these damn stories. <laughs> <laughs> I like talking, all right? I mean, okay. Why, why are we doing this podcast if we can't talk to you? Go, just tell them about the Nemesis system. <laughs> the Nemesis system is this idea that you have to kill these like high-ranking like warlords within the ranks of the orcs. So if you kind of work up the ranks, if you kill like a captain. Uh, then he might get replaced by somebody else. Or if you don't kill him, then maybe you like scratch his eye with your knife or something like that. That that scratch will be there the next time that you see him. He'll remember it. He'll 
call you out or something like that because he remembers who you are specifically and that hasn't been done in a game before and that was one of those things when i heard about it i go oh that is next gen that yeah. is what this generation's about and no one has done it since i was super convinced this is a system that was going to be stolen and reused by everyone and it hasn't happened except for i'm assuming in the sequel we'll see it so i'm excited yeah. to see what happens with that that was a fun game and i think they've been really smart kind of keeping it in the in the zeitgeist they re- released it in 2014 in 2015 they came out with game of the year version mm-hmm. in 2016 they were one of the first to have a ps4 pro patch so that people are re-experiencing this game again but it was a really great game critically accepted really well and uh i don't know where too it. i don't think many people had expectations for that game before yeah. it came out it was basically assassin's creed in the lord of the rings universe mm-hmm. which is awesome uh next up my new story comes from the verge uh they have you can now claim your new Nintendo user ID, uh, which is yet another way to distinguish you as a Nintendo user. There are three things now you might have. First, you have your Nintendo network ID. I was personally confused by this. Yes. Like, Nintendo needs to catch up. They're, they're using the internet like it's still 2000. Um, so you have your Nintendo network ID, which is usually like your email address or something like that. And then you mm-hmm. have your account nickname, which mm-hmm. is whatever people see when they play you. And now you have a user ID, which is akin to like your PSN gamer tag or your Xbox One gamer tag. Hopefully they just keep that. It sounds like yeah. this is a Switch thing. So yeah. maybe they're just sticking with this one. So make sure if you if you think, oh no, don't worry, my nickname is already this thing. Surely everyone, no one else can take this. Make sure you get that as your Nintendo network ID. You can do that on Nintendo.com. I already got mine. Me too. For anyone else named Holden Departo, I already took it. It's Suck Holden it. Departo. You're up, buddy. I'm up? My yeah. turn? I can go? I can talk? Ooh, yeah. okay. Whenever there's a silence, that means that I'm done talking. Oh, oh, really? Okay, cool. All right. Hitman. The dev who made Hitman, uh, they are IO Interactive. They are working on a new IP. <clears throat> that is the news. That's all. That is enough to excite me. I love the new Hitman <laughs> game. And they're working in a new IP. They're working in a brand new game. I'm, I'm, I want to know what it is. That's awesome. It's great news. I always like to hear if someone's making a new game. Uh, next up from IGN.com coming out of DICE is all future Halo shooters will have split screen support. I saw that story. Yeah. Which is something that like, that's what Halo is all about. And it was like the biggest couch. I mean, aside from like N64 version of GoldenEye and things like that. Halo was about sitting on a couch next to your buddy and playing split screen through the campaign and online and things like that. I get the sense that local multiplayer is coming back. Yeah. The Switch is all about local multiplayer. Yep. It's kind of the point of the system. And part of uh, the the biggest criticisms of Halo 5 was that it did not have split screen, which was a huge departure for the series. But rest assured. Is that the only one they didn't? That's the only one, yeah. Wow. So going forward, all Halo shooters will I have only played split three. screen support. Split screen? What a great name. Who is, <laughs> what is that? Oh, my God. That's like us. I bet they stole it from us, those bastards. All right. Another story here. Uh... Marvel games, uh, they have some, some <laughs> games, games coming out. Games. And they said that the, their focus is uh, um, to have original stories that are <sighs> not... That's another one of mine, damn it. To not have them held into canon, so they can be whatever they want them to be. And they're also prioritizing quality. They said they want these games to be all like Game of the Year contenders. Yeah. So like, however long it takes to make these games, that's awesome to hear. As, after how many games get rushed and just have all sorts of issues at launch. I'm glad to see that they're at least taking that mentality. But, of course, they would say that. Yeah. <laughs> I love Let's it. Let's see if they follow through on that. When they were under the Activision license and they just kept churning out garbage just to keep the license with Activision, it was terrible. So I'm glad that they finally – like, they haven't done anything for years. There used to be the, the age where mm-hmm. we would get a new superhero game every couple of months. But now we haven't seen really a Marvel one for a long time. That Spider-Man game does look good. Yeah, so there, how many are, we've got Spider-Man coming to PS4. We have the Gardens of the Galaxy Telltale game. And there's like a Square Enix Avengers game or something like that, yeah. I think. So there's an is Avengers it that? game Let coming out. I have, the, I have the story in front of me. There's a Square Enix, and then there's a uh, uh, Crystal Dynamics is making a Guardians of the Galaxy game as well. I did not know about that one. I think So Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix, because Crystal Dynamics is not making the next Tomb Raider, and instead they're working on a Marvel property. There's also Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Oh, yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom. Okay. With original story, not canon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a story or not. I have no idea. 
I don't see anything about that Guardians of the Galaxy, but I wouldn't be surprised because oh, maybe that, I'm just a liar. Well, no, that I think that world lends itself very well to a video game, and it's a very popular world nowadays. So, so great. Yeah. Tell us if we're wrong via text message or email. You can email us at split screen gaming. Yeah, please don't text us. That's weird. Com. If you have our phone numbers. <laughs> Um, my next news story is my final one that you didn't steal. Uh, and this one I am getting from GameSpot.com. And I'm reloading this website without content blockers because they have lots of ads that you can't see their things without. Okay, there we go. PlayStation VR passes 915,000 units You stole sold. a story of mine. Oh, shoot. Uh, so Sony has said in an interview with the New York Times, Andrew House, uh, a Sony executive, Andrew House, has said with the New York Times that as of February 19th, they've sold 915,000 PlayStation VR headsets. Their goal is 1 million by uh, mid-April. And I think they're going to hit it. I mean, they're very close. They have about two months to go. And if they actually have them in stores for people to buy, well, which has been a problem. We're finally starting to see them that's creep good. back. Into, I mean, people are still waiting in lines as soon as stock arrives, but wow. we're finally seeing them come back into, into uh, be back in stock. I'm surprised people are still waiting in line for it. Yeah. I didn't, because there's not that much content that's there. I, I played a lot of enjoyable games in VR so far, but I wouldn't say there's many games that are have-to-haves quite yet. Here's a quote from the article on GameSpot. You literally have people lining up outside stores when they know stock is being replenished, House said in a situation in Japan. <laughs> so maybe it's just a Japan standing outside thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's interesting that I kind of crunch the numbers on is previous last week they announced that um, actually it was a few weeks ago that nearly ten percent of players who played Resident Evil Seven played it in VR, uh, which if that's three million copies of Resident Evil sold across all platforms, ten percent of those is three hundred thousand. That means about a third of PlayStation VR owners haven't played Resident Evil 7. That's a crazy attach rate. I'm actually surprised it's not higher. Really? Yeah, because the people who got PlayStation VR are early adopters who want a really good VR experience. Yeah. Resident Evil 7 is it. Like, yeah, that I'm, is well, the VR experience That's right also now. people who have v- the PlayStation VR and Resident Evil 7 and can not crap their pants when they play it. That's Some a great people point. Are, that's like, a great, there are a lot of people that I've heard that are like, yeah, I have PlayStation VR, but there's no way I'm playing Resident Evil 7 because it's way too scary. It is. It is terrifying being in, like, literally immersed in that world. It is terrifying. I bet. I, I've already found the game pretty scary without... And you didn't get any, like, combat stuff. Oh, I'm just talking about playing it normally yeah. on the TV. It was, it was scary. Really good game. Yeah, it was fantastic. I could only play it in, like, two-hour stretches, though, because, like, I played two hours at a time, had to take a break for a couple of days, because... I was shouting at the top of my lungs all over the place. When I when I played that and when I played Dead Space, which is like the last survival God, horror game, game I played, which is there has just not been good survival horror games in my opinion at least. Uh, and those games, I will just play them for hours. I get so sucked into the world and absorbed by it that I seriously start to forget that <laughs> there's the real world outside of it. Several horror games have this way of really pulling me in in a way other games don't. Yeah, I want great survival horror games. They just don't exist. So that's uh, that's all my news stories. You're up. I got a few more. Uh, I'm going to take one of these out because one of these is kind of dumb. We get it. You won all, anyway, no matter all, what. All my stories have been stellar so far. <laughs> um, so I have Neil Druckmann, who is one of the uh, directors of the uh, Naughty Dog classic Uncharted. Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog. And Last of Us. And he had something very interesting to say about the, the, the film that's coming out. Oh, yeah, the Uncharted, the Uncharted film. Uncharted film. And it, this gave me some confidence that it's going to be really good. Neil Druckmann <laughs> says that he knows nothing about the Uncharted film. <laughs> the studio that is making the game allegedly knows absolutely nothing about this franchise. Yep. Or this movie that's coming out. That is awful. That is really, really bad. Yep. A, I don't want them to make this movie. If you play the game, yeah, it doesn't it, need to have, it I mean, already movie, is a movie. It's Indiana Jones. Yeah, if exactly. If they make it a movie, it's going to be Indiana Jones. It's going to be Indiana Jones with foul language. That's not interesting enough. Well, there already was murder in Indiana Jones. Yeah, That's kind of the opposite. They ripped the guy's heart out of his chest. I think <laughs> that counts as murder. It's kind of the opposite of The Last of Us, though, because they are, I believe, on The Last of Us movie as slowly as that's progressing they are the people who are writing doing that either i don't want it either but because what made those games so good is that it is a journey you are experiencing in a a movie that you are playing out yep 
I don't want to lose control of the action. That sounds boring. I don't want to watch someone play Uncharted. I want to play Uncharted. That's just dumb. It's just dumb. And then uh, my last story uh, that I think is worth talking about. Actually, I have two stories. Um, this one's short. Irrational Games, the guys who made uh, Bioshock Infinite. Mm-hmm. They, I guess they closed their studio down after Bioshock Infinite. And now they've announced that their new studio is called Ghost Story. Did you hear why it was called Ghost Story? Yes, I have the. You didn't read just the headline, like I didn't, the rest I didn't, of America. <laughs> I didn't worry, read just I'm the headline. Just about headlines I, too. When I when I go through news for news for I go headline cool got that one. I'm gonna beat Chad this time. How many headlines gonna read? <laughs> um, it says here. Let me find the. Um, it says that the company um, focused on narrative-driven and replayable games exclusively designed for digital delivery. The goal, with like Kelly Levine was saying, is that they want to create stories that you can play over and over again, and you'll have different outcomes depending on what you do, which has been promised a lot of times in games, but he is the kind of guy who, beyond Bioshock Vita, when he says something, <laughs> he... That's going to be their it. first game. It's, it's the ghost of Bioshock Vita. <laughs> Released on Vita, surprisingly. Oh, do you remember when he stood up there and he had the art and he was holding the Vita in his hand? Bioshock Vita! Oh, I was Apparently so it's going to be like a Final Fantasy Tactics-like game, You're but in the, Bioshock game. Where, in the Bioshock world. In the Bioshock world, could not say that. Um, last story, uh, another Nintendo story, is a, a guy got his hands on the Nintendo Switch early he says that it was it was shipped to him early yeah and he got it and he didn't want to get the company in trouble who gave it to him so he wasn't going to mention anything <laughs> which is ridiculous as if best buy would somehow say or best best buy would get in trouble for giving out a console early oh yeah uh robert on craigslist is taking pre-orders for the nintendo switch i think i'm gonna pre-order with him and get it early <laughs> he didn't steal it off a truck he didn't off truck so but i guess nintendo did say it was stolen <laughs> <laughs> And a bunch of employees got fired at the warehouse that was storing them. The guy claimed that he didn't know it was stolen, which, okay, maybe he didn't know explicitly that it was <laughs> stolen, but come on, dude. That doesn't just, just, if someone hands you a Switch early on. Yeah, you're not going to ask questions. You're going to be like, okay, I'll take a Switch. He said Nintendo took it from him, but he has confidence that he'll get one for free back. Fair not. No. You wasted $300. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's what I got for the, for the news. I thought that was... Uh, so I have five story. stories and you have three hundred and six. Three hundred and six sounds about right. Felt like yeah. <laughs> and I, I just talked about them for so long too. All right, all right. That was news war. Next up, round two. I have an opinion about this, and this is a segment where we have opinions about this. So we pick something that we're passionate about, mm-hmm. and uh, whether it makes us super up in arms and makes us tighten our pants and yell on a soapbox or whether it makes us super happy so let's do a little bit of uh um some some catch up on kind of what what brought us to our opinion this week our opinion this week is virtual console yeah and a bad experience that that we had with it virtual console is the system where on a nintendo console you can just play old games that they've released in the past yeah we wanted to play super mario world so we got it on the wii u which funny note we did get it for free i don't know how we got it for free but i went there to buy it i was gonna put the eight bucks down and they just gave it to me for free science i ended up buying it again on the 3ds however (laughs) because it was really bad it was a really bad experience there was this terrible delay between the wii u gamepad and mario yeah so let's talk first about about Execution. Yeah. You get this game on your home console, Wii U. I assume it works the same on Wii, and hopefully it doesn't work the same on Switch, but there's an input, like just straight up an input delay. So we would jump, and it would take a half a second for Mario to jump, which in a platformer is not something that you want. No, it, it makes it impossible. We were really struggling to get past early levels in that game. Yeah. For- and I just thought Holden sucked at this game. Which, because he was terrible. I, I am pretty bad at Mario to begin <laughs> with. But I, I remember thinking, playing it, going, I know that older games have a tendency to be more difficult, but this is absurd. Yeah. yeah. I now know what people mean when they say Mario games have gotten easier over time. <laughs> but so I was, think that's ridiculous that you that they're providing this less than... It's, it's not a good experience. Well, especially since Nintendo games are specifically known for having 
fantastic controls. Right, and that's why they say we're never going to release Mario on another platform because the the integration with the hardware is very important. Mm-hmm. And then it was garbage with their hardware. It ter- really terrible. And I actually, funny enough, had the same exact experience with A Link to the Past on the Virtual Console on the Wii U. I got it. I tried playing it. And in Zelda, you don't notice it quite at first because you're just walking straight and then straight and then straight and then straight. Yeah. And then an enemy comes to you. And then you notice it when you die immediately because you can't fight him properly. It's super frustrating. I also bought that on the 3DS as well. Control's great. No problems. Chad played it for a little bit before the podcast of Super Mario World. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, exactly as responsive as I remember it being as a kid on the Super Nintendo. It went from... In my case, I where did we get to World Three with delayed controls? We got, yeah, about halfway through World Three, and that was just handing it back and forth, really struggling to get through each level. Yeah. Also, how about like the actual execution of this game? Like, we have two controllers. First of all, it says compatible with the Wii remote. Oh yes. the, When you're buying the game, oh, it says God, you can yes. use a Wii remote to play this game. I said God, so many times this podcast. <laughs> you load up the game, and your Wii remote shuts off, and you can't use it. And I was like, that's weird. And we went back and checked the eShop page. And yes, Wii Remote is listed on there as an option. So I read this little trick on the interwebs about if you press and hold the 2 button. And then, yes, you do. And while you're pressing and holding the 2 button, because that's obvious, as you're loading the game, it says, are you sure you want to use this controller? You'll have to remap some of the buttons. And I was like, I understand. You know, it's going to have, it doesn't have the same number of buttons that a, a Super Nintendo controller would have. Uh... So then we had to remap some stuff and figure some stuff out, and now I've forgotten why I'm talking. <laughs> Where am I going with this? You were talking about oh, the, passing the, the controller passing back, and controls back and forth. Yeah. So I, I'm using this controller, and then it's I die. It's time for you to take player two, Luigi, and you have the Wii U gamepad. Oh, and then that's right. Neither of us is controlling Luigi, and both controllers are controlling Mario. And there's no way to switch one of them to the second player. You have two first players on this stupid game. Well, and I think the reason why is that the Wii U gamepad is your first player. But when you add a Wiimote, that is also your first player. <laughs> it's so stupid. doesn't make any sense at all. So if we wanted to do player two, we can't use the gamepad because that's just player one still. And you have to have a second Wiimote, which I didn't have. Dumb. So we just had to hand back just Mario. So Nintendo needs to get their crap together when it comes to the virtual console, and this makes me a little wary of of Switch. First of all, they announced, as we heard earlier, that they are not going to have virtual console at launch, which I hope means we're figuring out how the hell to make it backwards compatible with what you've already bought. We understand. I really hope so. There's a Nintendo 3DS version of Super Mario World. There's a Wii U version of Super Mario World. There's a Wii version of Super Mario World. And you've bought all three of them, and we want to make you buy it again, but we're not evil, so we're just going to somehow make those well, come over. here's the... I don't know if you remember what the virtual console transition was like during the Wii U. Do you remember this? No. So they said you can absolutely bring over your Wii virtual console stuff, as long as you go to the Wii setting or the Wii portion of your Wii U, oh, you which opens up an and... emulator for the Wii user interface, and then you play it in there. And if you want to play you know, whatever virtual console game it is that's in your Wii uh, menu, you have to pay us a dollar, and then we'll put it <laughs> into, the Wii U, it into the Wii to U. To upgrade version. to the Wii U version. Can you imagine you bought a new, a new phone, and it's like, oh, wait, all your apps, Facebook, you got to pay a dollar for that now, because oh this is a God. new phone. It's not your old phone, it's a new one. Trashy, trashy, trashy cats. That's I, what they can't, being with They that. can't, so... As much as you're thinking that maybe they're going to hold this off so that they can do Virtual Console right, yeah. I think they're holding it off because they know it's going to go over badly. <laughs> they don't want they don't the bad want press right now. One more thing They're selling out of pre-orders. This is great. They don't want to lose them. Oh, gosh. It's just like in a day where you have cross-buy with PlayStation 4 and Vita and you have the – you buy it on Xbox and you also get it on Windows. Like – Take your games with you on whatever console you're using. That's where we're going, and Nintendo just always seems to be two decades behind in everything. That was the exciting part to me about getting my PlayStation 4, is that I had a lot of these Vita games that were also compatible. I had Sound Shapes yeah. waiting for me. I had Fez oh, God, waiting for me. I had some really good games waiting now, for me. Now, to be honest, PlayStation 4 still can't play PS1 Classics, which is dumb. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and you're, like, you can't Final play... Fantasy Seven, I think, is there. Uh, right, but that's not a PS1 Classic. That's the remastered of the PS1 Classic for PS4. 
So I own it in, in several different forms now. Wow, they're just but, Nintendo. And it also, you can't play PS3 games digitally that you bought on PS4. But this is different. This is a virtual console. This is like purposefully old games that we're bringing to a new generation. I understand you can't maybe play Wii games on a Wii U or Wii U games on a Switch. But when you're talking about Nintendo or Super Nintendo. Well, it's also a shame, too, when I bought it on the Wii U and it barely worked. Yeah. It barely worked. It was really unfortunate. So if if they're gonna put it on the Switch, it's at least give it to me for free since I've already bought it. <laughs> and they did; they gave it to you for free on the Wii. You. They they, they so. did. They did. There will be a Wii U emulator app on the <laughs> Nintendo Switch where I can play all my crummy control delayed virtual console games. <laughs> that is our opinion on the Wii and Wii U and 3DS and all those damn dandy Nintendo platform virtual console thingies. 3DS is fine. That's oh, yeah, great. 3DS is great. As long as it plays nice with Switch. Next up, Switch. round three. We have late to the game. This is a segment where we talk about something that we've recently played that the rest of the world played a long time ago and either loved or hated, and now we are finally experiencing it for the first time. Uh, and uh, Holden, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one because you had a lot of firsts. I did have a lot of firsts. I think I'm going to start with, um, with Witcher 3 since... I'll have more positive things to say about Super Mario World <laughs> now that I've actually played that on 3DS. So yeah, yeah. Earlier in the podcast, I was talking about how I got The Witcher Three and launched just speak uh, well, not launched on my PlayStation Four, but when I bought my PlayStation Four, I should say, yep. just because I heard it was this it, one of the best open world RPGs ever. It was supposed to be like cream of the crop, really good. I think I got tons of Game of the Years, like ten out of ten on on GameSpot. Was really excited about it, and the first few times I played it, it was just kind of hard to get into. And I finally decided to give it a fair chance and, like, really push through. And good lord, it is, like, the slowest-moving RPG I've ever played. I got so bored playing it. The The world is gorgeous. I will say most reviews are talking about how, like, gorgeous that world is, how open and how... Uh, it's just kind of real it feels yeah it doesn't feel like a video game world i did very much feel like i was running around like real environments and and it's just graphically gorgeous it was the clouds in the sky when it rained and stuff it looked really cool the atmosphere is great but i going back to controls i could not get past how poor the combat was in this game and you were watching it for a little bit. Yeah, I watched you for probably about a half hour, 45 minutes. And from what I saw, it was like, A, it was really, like, it was boring as hell to watch. <laughs> <laughs> there, are some, there are some games out there, the games that are, are, I'm sure, fun to play and boring to watch. Like Fire Emblem mm-hmm. is terrible to watch, but I've heard it's fun to play, but I'll never play it because my, I've watched it. And it's my boring. roommates hate watching me play Dark Souls. But this one was like... Everyone always says, oh, there's so much stuff to do. This world is so big, and there are so many side quests, and you'll spend 200 hours doing it. But it was like, yeah, a lot of that was spent running. The quests that you were doing were super dull. And Yes. Like, go like, talk. Oh, the kid went into the house now, <laughs> so go follow him in the house and continue talking to him. <laughs> and and the whole thing about The Witcher is, like, you're you're supposed to be hunting. It's called Wild Hunt. You're supposed to be hunting these giant beasts, and you've played it for 10 hours. You haven't run into one beast yet. Like, yeah, yeah I've not... I expected that to be a lot more of the game is hunting down these giant awesome beasts. I fought I said I back actually I fought one beast in ten hours. Oh you liar. It was a griffin and you it was... told me there were no beasts. And it wasn't it wasn't that exciting. Like I was fighting him and eventually they're like, He's flying away. Follow him. So I followed him for like a little bit, which was just like cool. Now I'm running. <laughs> Wonderful. I did this to get here. And then you fight him again somewhere else, and then it's over. Like, it was just wasn't interesting. And to the point of, like, it being open. And yeah. You, oh, you can go out and do all these things. I never felt like I could. I felt so stuck on the path that the game wanted me to go on, which is the exact opposite feeling I wanted when and I played that, that game. why was that? Why did you feel that way? So the it goes to the leveling system of the game, actually. I think I, – did I tell you what level I was at about 10 hours in? Quattro. That's yeah. Spanish I was for four. Le- a level four. That is not a lot for an RPG. Usually, the beginning of an RPG, you're blowing through levels like crazy because you're gaining experience because it's 
So it's easier to gain experience at the beginning of a game typically, and it becomes yep. harder over time. It felt like it took forever to gain levels, mostly because you get your levels mostly by completing quests. And killing monsters yields you almost no experience points. You might get like 10 or 20 experience points for killing a monster. You'll get like 400 for completing a quest. And it takes 1,000 to go to the next level each time. So when you go to an open world area and it says, oh, cool, this quest you have to do here, that required, or that is recommended you be level 5. I'm like, great, I'm level 3 right now. So let me go do some side quests so I can maybe level myself up so I can do the story mission. Oh, the side quests required me to be level 17. Perfect. <laughs> That's not going to be very helpful. So I'll just wander around and I'll try to uh, level myself up that way by killing monsters. Oh, that's going to take forever to do. I have to do this quest that's too challenging for me right now to do. So the monsters just destroy you as soon as you go talk to them or talk to them go fight them <laughs> hey monsters can we hey just... do you want to quit killing people yeah, for me because I'm low i level. get a lot of money if you stop yeah i'm low level i can't fight you right now can we just talk this out please i swear to god i'll use all of my power up for my experience that i gained from this quest to like buy you a soda <laughs> maybe i'm just missing something because people do really love this game yeah so uh if you have played the witcher and for 10 hours you ended up like level 15 and you have no idea what holden's talking about go to facebook.com slash split screen gaming podcast and tell him that he was playing it wrong and he's an idiot i can't pass an opinion about this game because i only saw 30 minutes of it and didn't play it myself but it it's very possible i'm an idiot it doesn't hold your hand yeah and I, I need games to hold my hand. Late to the game number two. Holden, what else did you play? Uh, Super Mario World. Super Mario World. What game is that? <laughs> I think you know exactly what game. I hope Super people Nintendo. know what Super Mario World is. Super Mario World. Mario? What's Mario? Uh, one of the best freaking games ever. It was When I got on the 3DS finally, it was super fun. I couldn't stop. Yeah. So I played this as a little baby. <laughs> and little baby uh, this was one of my, like, growing up as a kid, my parents were... They were hooked on Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country 2, Donkey Kong Country 3, and the cartridge, the best cartridge of all time, Super Mario World plus All-Stars, which is Super Mario World plus all of the Super Mario games from before, so all on one three, card. right? Oh, no, there was like Super Mario Lost Levels, there was Super Mario Bros. 1, 2, and 3, there was Mario Bros., there was all of these games. Oh, okay. All on one cart, which was Oh, so I forgot about Mario Bros., that's right. Yeah. It's, that uh, was different then. So this was always like my parents yelling and screaming at two in the morning playing this game on Super Nintendo. And then they'd be like, come get the controller. Get us extra lives. <laughs> We're going to go take a smoke break. It's like, all right, I get to play with my parents. But really, they're just using <laughs> me for extra lives. So that was my experience growing up. So I have lots of fond memories of Super Mario World. Uh, but this was your time, your first time playing it as a, as a grown man. I, I went into this. So I went to this keeping in mind a Miyamoto quote, which is that every time you make a new game, you've got to have something new you're designing for it. Something that makes it unique. And Mario games to me have always felt pretty pretty different. There was one thing in this game that I've not seen in a Mario game before, and that was how you can kind of like spin in the air. Oh, yeah. It's like you kind of turn yourself into a drill almost. You can like you can like break certain blocks and you do it that way. And that was... I didn't really use it that much. But Yoshi was there for the first time, and I think that was yep. probably the main differentiator from past Mario games. The game was all this. about them Yoshis, them blue Yoshis, the yellow Yoshis, the red Yoshis. I've the only green seen Yoshis. green Yoshis because I have not been eating the shells. You haven't been to Star World. I've been to Star World yet. No, Holden, you're on. So you're on World Six right now, right? Yeah. You can get to Star World as early as level three. Is that so? When we were playing the Wii U version, yes. you found the secret path that went up yes, the those cliff. Keys that you can yeah, the I never did that. I just went straight through to the oh, ghost house and man. stuff. So did I miss out on that? Oh, so there's a Star World that you can get to, and it has portals to to like five of the different worlds. Yeah, and in there is where you find the different colored Yoshi's, and each level okay. like you get a different color Yoshi, and then you use those throughout the rest. So you can go up to Star World, get yourself a blue Yoshi. Go to a regular level, and any turtle shell that he eats, he flies through the entire level. Whoa. No matter okay. what color turtle shell. Oh, man. You've been playing this game all wrong since you started doing single player. No, There's a, a wrong way oh, to play Mario. Oh, no. You lost. Lost it. <laughs> but see, that, that goes to one of the things I really like about this Mario game is that it feels like that there's a need to explore. Yeah. 
more so than other Mario games I've played before in the past. We're just kind of get to the end of the goal line. Now, go ahead and tell the the lovely kids at home, what Mario games have you played in the past? Jeez, I have played... So, the more recent ones, uh, 3D Land, I completely beat. Mm-hmm. Everything, I got everything in that game. Um, I'm just about done with 3D World on the Wii U, but I never played Galaxy, any of the Galaxy games, which I really regret. I really yeah. want to play those games. I can't get on the Wii U, so I might do that pretty soon. And then I played Sunshine, which I really enjoyed Sunshine. Yeah. I played 64, but I did on the DS. And the only 2D Mario game I ever played was New Super Mario Bros. on the DS. See, that's why that's why you've never experienced this kind of stuff. The Mario Bros. games, have Super Mario Bros., have always been about, like, even in the original, in the second level, you can, like, jump up yes. above on the blocks. Yep, and, and go to the warp the tunnel. Um, pipes for 4, 3, and 2, right? Yep. Yeah. I, are, I knew that. I found that one, yeah. Yep. You can... Uh, you can, in, if you're running fast enough in Super Mario Bros. 3, you can run behind the exit of some levels, and there are secret things there. Uh, you can fly up above in the castle and find a whistle and fly all the way to World 8 right off the bat from the first world. Like, they've always been about kind of experience, like the secrets and, and finding exits and things like that. But I really feel like Super Mario World is where all of that kind of bloomed. Totally. Well, there's points, too, in I believe it was the um, the fifth world the forest of illusion is yeah that it's called where you beat the levels and then you realize that the path the levels create on the on the world map you're you're navigating on is just a circle yep <laughs> and you're yep. like oh crap i missed something in one of these levels that is going to help me progress so okay well like this world oh, this level here looks like there might be a path next to it so let me go into that one and see if i can navigate around a little bit yep it was really fun. I, I hadn't had that experience in a Mario game in, in quite that way before. Whereas in like 3D Land, you're literally on a yellow line going forward. Yeah, which is those games are great, but this is this I enjoyed a lot more. Yeah, if, uh, as you're kind of continuing the rest of that game, any level that has a red dot for the level instead of a yellow has a secret exit. That is good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. There's always some small detail like that for yep. Nintendo to let you know that. That was the best part about that Mario game, seriously. Apart from the the really good controls once they... Yes, once was, you're on a, a competent system. Totally. One thing that kind of does go to that whole, these games are more challenging than they are now, Yeah, is the Tanuki suit in 3D Land. Did you play 3D Land? Yes. The Tanuki suit made that super easy. Yeah. You could literally go to any level and almost never fall off anything because you could just slowly glide down. Even though the cape or the feather power yeah. in Super Mario World has that uh, same kind of like glide down mechanic. It never felt like it was a savior. Yeah, in like the same it was way. Like cheap. Yeah, it was never cheap. Like it, like there was one point where I felt like it was kind of mandatory, and that was in one of the ghost houses. They had a there was a giant boo. Yeah, and the cape did make it easier to kind of jump over him and kind of glide over down, as opposed to where you're just jumping, you just kind of jump fall straight down almost. Yeah. But other than that, there was it never felt like it was um, making the level easier than it needed to be, or uh, easier to a point where it was no longer fun. There was still that kind of challenge to go through. What I loved about uh, Super Mario Bros. Three was that you had a there were a finite number of P wings you could get, and P wings were these items you could use that basically gave you a Tanuki outfit where you could permanently fly through a level. So if there was one level like, oh, God, there's this level with, in the desert with the sun, the sun that's up in the top, and it's angry, and it always comes down and fucks your day up. If you use the P-Wing, you can just fly above the sun through the entire level. So if there was, you had to really think about where you wanted to use these because mm-hmm. there was a finite number of them. So I love little things like that. And again, going back to how the new games are easier, if you fail a level <laughs> five times, you don't yep. go with this? Yeah, if you fail a level five times, they just give you the suit that, allows you to never get injured <laughs> as you walk yeah. through it. And then if you fail with that, then they give you one that just flies you to the <laughs> end of the level. Yeah. So the, do you have anything else to say about Super Mario World? Um, I'm almost done. Well, I guess I'm not almost done because apparently there's tons of things that I missed. Oh, man. All those Castle secret exits. Six. So you're at Castle 6. You'll Which thing's the last one, isn't it? No, there's eight. Oh, there's eight. Okay. There's World 8. Uh, there's Star World that you have to get to and complete. And then after you get all the Yoshi coins, that opens up the extra special world with all of those levels. Those Yoshi coins are hard, man. Yeah. There's there's a few where I still have no idea. I, one in 
um, in the Chocolate Mountain or whatever it's called. Love it. <laughs> I've never had a chocolate level in Mario <laughs> before. There's a whole world dedicated to chocolate, and it's just sur- the the coin is surrounded by blocks that are specifically grayed out, <laughs> meaning that you cannot d- destroy them. Yep. How on earth am I supposed to get that one? Don't ruin it for me, Chad. Science. Dynamite. Science. <laughs> That's right. Build on a science guy who will come into the level and help you out. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. What have you been playing, Chad? Oh, man. So, this brings us to our uh, next segment. Usually, we try to do three rounds. And by usually, I mean this is the first time. So, suck it. Uh, <laughs> our next round, when we go over three, is going to be called Sudden Death. Sudden Death. That's me. My voice saying that. Uh, and this is a segment I think called... people do that. <laughs> <laughs> you knew nothing, Jon Snow. Uh, this is a segment called This Game is Art. And I want to use this segment to highlight games that are... They stand out as whether it's a visual masterpiece or a storytelling masterpiece or something like that. Something that kind of takes the medium up and elevates it uh, so that... like. Like all mediums, there's good versions and there's bad versions and things like that. And people are always saying, oh, video games, you just go and shoot stuff. And it's, I don't know why they say it in that voice, but you just go and shoot stuff. And it's all about murder and they're making our kids angry and and that's why kids shoot up skulls. But I played a game today called Dear Esther. Uh, Again, it's from the same company, the Chinese Room, who made uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which is one of my favorite games of all time. I've played it three times. I cry like a little baby throughout the whole thing. But Dear Esther is a game, it's, it's one of those walking simulators that's kind of popular nowadays. It's more of an experiential kind of thing. And you're literally just walking on a mountain, up a mountain, for the entire game, which is about an hour and a half long. But it's a gorgeous mountain, and there's this British narration going on the entire time, narrating this story that you're kind of experiencing. Uh... And I, first of all, I get a big old boner for any kind of, like, great narration in a video game, like uh, Dear Esther and Bastion. Which yes, you Bastion had Gosh, really... That, that awesome narration going yeah, on. Yeah, I love um, that. Greg Bithel's, uh sorry, Mike Bithell, uh, what is the name of that game with the shapes? And it's sound shapes. This it's not no. sound shapes. Oh God, no! This is gonna drive me crazy. Oh, oh no! I knew what you're talking about. Um, Thomas was alone. Thomas was alone. Gosh, it, that I f- totally forgot how amazing that game was. You yeah. do not expect it's one of those things where you start crying car- about a square. Yeah, you don't. Like, the character is literally a square or a rectangle. That was, yeah. one's red. This one's blue, and you care about them as people. So this is kind of going along those lines. And everybody's gone to the rapture is another one. Although that one's technically voiceover and not narration, but narration, when done right, is a. Uh, an incredible tool in a video game. But anyway, so you're narrating this thing and it's going through this guy and it's his his story that you're kind of experiencing in this world of uh, him dealing with the guilt of losing Esther, his wife. And he feels like it was his fault because he was drunk at the wheel. And then you're, you're kind of going through and listening to these narrations of him and his fractured psyche and he's like fractured it into different people and how that they are responsible in different ways. And one of them is a drunk and one of them is this really good person and, and just experiencing all of this stuff and this, this story as you go from kind of fighting with it on the beaches where you start out to actually making it to the mountaintop where you see this beacon that is Esther, uh, is just an incredible experience. There are parts where I was like starting to tear up a little bit. There are parts where it made me just smile but what I love most about it is like how, uh, first of all, I freaking love the sound design and the score. I played it with my PlayStation Gold wireless headset, 7.1 surround sound. Uh, we'll take the check down, Sony. <laughs> so I played it with that, uh, and in a dark room. I recommend playing it in a dark room with the head with headphones on, because Jessica Curry's score as you'll see in Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, is just phenomenal. And it invokes all the right emotions at all the right times as you're going through this thing. But it's a phenomenal score. And she actually also created these games, co-created this with her, with her husband. Her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she actually quit the Chinese. She left the company because everyone was like, oh, your husband made this game and you're just his wife, right? And she's like, no, I made this game too. And that's how every interview, oh, we want to talk to your husband. Because oh you're the gosh. woman, so obviously you didn't make this game. I did not realize that. Yeah, so she is just as responsible for this game, but also she did the score, and she's the composer, and she's freaking phenomenal. 
Uh, it, just, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, so go on oh, Twitter to at uh, Jessica Curry too and tell her how amazing she is and how great she is at games. Uh, She'll be her special guest great. next week. <laughs> she will. <laughs> that was amazing, the score to this thing, and then the sound design of this thing. So you're walking up this mountain, and there's the wind blowing, and with the, the surround sound, you can kind of hear it. Like you feel like you're in there, and the water's trickling down on this, this creek and this river as you're going up. And it's just – it's – this incredible sensory experience walking through this thing, these gorgeous landscapes. And there were times where I literally would just like, okay, I know my path is straight ahead of me for a little bit. I'm going to close my eyes and just push forward on the thing and just listen as I'm walking through this thing. And it was amazing. Freaking amazing. You can't say that about a game very often. I'm just going to close my eyes and continue moving forward. (laughs) (laughs) So art is supposed to, whether it's visual art or performance art or theater or a movie or music, it's supposed to make you feel something. And I don't think there's a single person in this world that can say they played this game and didn't feel something about it. And it, it just brought up so much emotion. It was fantastic. It was a fantastic game. It's currently, if you are listening to this on Monday, let's hope to got it post. It's currently on sale for four ninety nine on PlayStation 4. You have it's one day. Available. Yeah. You have one day to get it. Also available on Xbox One and PC. It came out on PC in 2012, but they re-released it as Dear Esther Landmark Edition. Uh, they do have a director's commentary as well that you can listen to with the game. I'm very excited to go back and play it again with the director's commentary. That's on. interesting because technically the whole narration over it is kind of commentary, and then it's going to be like just more audio on top of that. It sounds confusing. I I think maybe it might replace the, okay. com- the narration, and the narration is not continuous. There are definitely certain oh, okay. like you're exploring this tiny little house, or you're exploring this mountainside, or you're exploring. At- oh, it's just gorgeous. And there's this phosphorescent. Sorry, I'm gonna go into it a little bit more. There's this phosphorescent. No, fungus stop talking everywhere. right Shut now. Shut up. <laughs> there's this phosphorescent fungus that uh, this character. We're just we're as an observer going through this. We're seeing the result of his struggle, and he's writing things all over the walls. And he's an, an engineer, so you're seeing like these formulas and things like that that he's trying to figure out. And then one of his parts of his psyche is. Uh, really religious and so you're seeing bible verses that he scribed all over the mountain in this glowing blue paint and it's really dark outside i took so many screenshots during this game it was freaking gorgeous so yeah go play it it's five bucks on psn 10 bucks normally if you're not listening to this on monday if you're not then you're not a true fan <laughs> we haven't existed yet so you know my mom fans. <laughs> uh yeah dear esser it is art play art support good games just is it good to build on that though as well. I mean, I didn't play it, but not even playing it, it you can just see the impact it has had on so many other games coming after it. Yeah. Like Gone Home, I think is a, probably the biggest in that kind of Gone like, Home was technically before. Was it really? Yeah. No, I thought it, it was came afterwards. I want to say it was 2010. I thought Dear Esther was like one of the first ones in this kind of style of game and Gone Home kind of picked up on that almost. Hold please. Even then actually though, because the game development times and how long it takes, Gone Home and that were probably either being made at the same time anyway. You're the same But time. Oh, Virginia. I lied. You're right. It came out on uh, August of 2013. Gone Home did. Virginia was another one that we played recently, <sighs> yeah. which wasn't very good, but at least we didn't think it was that great. But again, kind of that same kind of style of like you were ex- just kind of ex- the, the the game is experiencing a story. Yeah, it is. It's not. It's, you wouldn't even really call it a game in the sense that there's like a goal. Yeah. Or it's... like a point system or something like that. Yeah. So fantastic. So, if you like that, check out Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. One of my favorite games of all time. Another short one. You can do it in a few hours, but amazing story, amazing voice acting. And there's not really any kind of. Well, I'm not gonna spoil anything else. It's just great. Another great score again. Jessica Curry, fantastic composer. <laughs> and I literally listen to those albums on my Apple Music playlists like nonstop. They're so good. Yeah, I have. Uh, I actually guess I should give it a chance, but I'm probably gonna play Everyone's Gone to the Rapture first. Uh, technically, it's everybody's gone to the rapture, so you're going to play a fake game that you got sold to on the Chinese interwebs. That's right. There's the Chinese knockoff knock PlayStation Store. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With my fake Chinese knockoff PlayStation Plus account that I got that <laughs> game for free from. So that's it. That's been this week's Split Screen Gaming Podcast. Tune in next Monday for our, our Switch episode. And also in about 24 hours, um, Horizon Zero Dawn comes out on PlayStation 4. I have that shit pre-ordered. And we have a lot to say about it. So our super special Switch and Horizon episode next Monday. Again, my name is Chad Michael Innes. My name is Holden DePardo. Uh, say it into the mic, Holden. Who are you? My name is Holden DePardo. That's right, it is. And you can follow our newborn social media on Twitter at SplitScreenGP. Instagram at SplitScreenGP. 
and Facebook at facebook.com slash split screen gaming podcast. Split screen gaming podcast. Um, and then our email address, if you want to send us suggestions or little love notes, you can do that at uh, splitscreengamingpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Good night, you salty frog lips. So that's it for this week's Split Screen Gaming Podcast. Tune in next Monday for our special Switch episode. And Horizon Zero Dawn comes out on Tuesday, and I'll be playing a lot of that, so we'll have lots to say. Lots of opinions. Oh my goodness. So again, my name is Chad Michael Innes. And I am Holden DePardo. And you can follow all of our newborn social media on Twitter at SplitScreenGP, Instagram at SplitScreenGP, and Facebook.com slash SplitScreenGamingPodcast. And if you want to email us and tell us how great we are, you can do that at SplitScreenGamingPodcast at gmail.com. Good night, you licking little tiger socks.